God bless you, PT. Global. Uh, question for the week for the uh, children, uh, 17 years old and under. Uh, last week, Elder Leon, and thank God for Elder Leon. What an amazing, wonderful word, uh, especially right after the conclusion of the elections. His, his, his calm voice brought sanity to that entire week. And so, but, uh, but he's preached the sermon entitled, What Language Do You Speak? And he shared from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. So the question is, what language did Elder Leon point out was spoken in the passage of Acts chapter 2, verse 1 and 2? So you see the address on the bottom of your screen. If you, uh, children, if you respond, uh, I guess the first few or the whoever, a few they choose who respond correctly, you'll be getting a gift card from Dunkin' Donuts. So I think Dunkin' Donuts need to pay us some money for the advertisement. But anyways, yeah, fill out that chat and uh, be blessed. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 through 9, reading from the King James Version, and Joshua chapter 6, verse 16 to 23, reading from the New Living Translation. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians to bring them out of that land to a good and broad and large, the King James Version says, land, a land flowing with milk and honey. To the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezzarites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of my people Israel has come to me. The cry has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression. So not only do I hear the cry, but I've seen the oppression with which the Egyptians have oppressed them. Joshua chapter 6, verse 16 to 23. New Living Translation. The seventh time around, as the priest that is around the city of Jericho, as the priest sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the town. He has given you the city. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed as an offering, a burnt offering unto the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared for she protected the spies. When the, look, when the people heard the sound of the ram's horn, they shouted as loud as they could. They shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town, into the city and captured it. They completely destroyed everything in it with their swords, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, goats and donkeys. Poor donkeys. In chapter 2 and verse 20, 22, Meanwhile, Joshua said to the spies, Keep your promise. Go to the prostitute's house and bring her out along with all her family. The men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all of the other relatives who were with her. They moved her whole family 
to a safe place near the camp of Israel. The title of my message is Go Get Rahab. Go get Rahab. Tell somebody next to you, go get Rahab. Go get Rahab. Go get Rahab. And I want to dissect Rahab's life, her life before the spies arrive, her life during the time of the spies and during the conquest of Jericho, and then her life after the events of Jericho. Uh, and I'm going to be speaking from, about Rahab's life from a different point of view. I, I have been watching boxing, my goodness, for, for at least five decades. And I, so I remember the thriller in Manila with, uh, with uh, Muhammad Ali, and I saw Joe Frazier and Ken Norton and, and all the great boxers. And uh, if you're familiar with boxing, you know that there are three judges when it comes to boxing, and they will judge in case there is not a knockout, they will judge uh, via decision who won the boxing match. For the first time last week, I, I always thought that the three judges were all together sort of like American Idol. They're kind of watching the boxing match, and they're conferring with each other as far as who won. But I heard a professional commentator and writer on boxing say this, that the three judges, they do not sit together. They sit at, in separate parts of the ring to make sure that what one boxer, one, one uh, judge may see, the other judge may have a different perspective, which kind of makes sense why the scores are different, because depending on where in the round, sorry, no, where in the ring the fight was fought, one judge may have a different perspective from another judge. So you may say, where are you going with this, Bishop? I want to talk to you about a specific view of Rahab that at least I've never heard of before. Usually we, usually we review Rahab from the eyes of the Israelites, from the eyes of the spies, from the eyes of the Jews. I want to give you, the Holy Spirit helped me, I want to give you a view of Rahab from the eyes of Rahab. From the eyes of Rahab. Rahab is a Hebrew word in her, her name, or in Hebrew, her name means broad or large. The open Bible gives a definition of a word, of her name, as violence. So her name means broad, her name means large, her name means violence. I want to talk about Rahab's life before. When I brought out 
Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, where it says, I heard the cry of my people. And most of us know that this refers to God's calling of Moses. And I heard, his, I heard the cry of my people. I see their oppression. And I am sending you, Moses. But I want to talk to you about the fact that so often, thank you, Holy Spirit, so often we think that God only hears the cries of believers. God hears the cries of people, period, who are oppressed. Rahab is a prostitute. The word prostitute comes from an English, from a Latin word, which simply means this. Help me, Holy Spirit. It means exposed for sale. Rahab is not a person. She's a thing. As a matter of fact, the word prostitute the etymology of the word prostitute, pro means before, and stup or stare means to stand. So you may say, well, that's not bad. Prostitute means to stand before. Not quite. That is the denotation. The connotation is the prostitute is not standing in front of a person fully clothed. She is standing in front of the person totally naked, totally exposed. Mm. As a matter of fact, when I was doing some study on the history of prostitution, uh, and the farthest I could go back, because uh, I did this very quickly, was prostitution during Jesus' time. And the thing you may say, well, how did they know? First of all, how did they know she was a prostitute? Maybe the spies, when they spied out the land, uh, uh, they, they got an idea from, you know, maybe they were inquiring people, although they couldn't probably acquire people because I imagine that though it was a big city, people understood that mm, there's something different about you. You're not from around here. Uh, but what I discovered that... In Jesus' time, particularly during the Roman Empire, men and women had, would, would walk around with two different kinds of togas. In other words, there was a different toga or robe for a male and a different toga for a female. So that way, you, Lord have mercy, you could tell the difference between a male and a female. Prostitutes were required to wear a male toga. Which means that when you saw a woman in a male toga, you automatically knew she was a prostitute. Basically, she was exposed to public shame.
The thing that we know about Rahab also is that it goes without saying that one of the reasons why her name means violence is because with her profession, had to, not guessing, had to have come physical beatings. And I imagine year after year, every once in a while, maybe two, three, four times a year, eye bulging out, lip broken, maybe even a broken arm, total humiliation. And I imagine that she is saying, whatever God there is, whether you are this trinket or whether you're somewhere in the sky, can you get me out of this life? She, her name means broad and large, and it brings to mind that man named Jabez, who his name means full of sorrow. And he says in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9, 10, oh, that you will bless me indeed and enlarge and broaden my sphere of influence, broaden my territory. And I imagine this is where Rahab is. My, my name means broaden. My, main, my name means large. Could you, could you do something to get me out of this space? But her name also means violence. And thank God that that violence is a two-edged sword, meaning that, yes, she was beaten physically, and she, her life had to have been full of violent encounters. But yet, there was something in her that sensed the principle that would be released to us centuries later, where Matthew says in 11 verse 12, the kingdom of God suffereth violence and the violence take it by force. What that means is there are people who are saying, I got to get out of this life and get into the kingdom life, and no matter what it takes, I am going to get into the kingdom. I'm getting out of this. And Rahab, in her misery, in her oppression, she starts hearing reports, news traveling, from hundreds of miles of a people who somehow were oppressed like her, a people who were slaves, that somehow the most powerful nation in the world at that time had to let these slaves go. And they're probably saying, she's probably saying, what kind of how did they get out? And, of course, the rumors flew, flew how, got all the way to Jericho, how this, this, this ragtag group of people not only were released from Egypt, but 
were released with a mighty, powerful hand. Now, you all know that when rumors start, they always become bigger and bigger and bigger. So could you imagine, I mean, what actually happened, what actually happened was the Nile turned to blood. What actually happened was locusts came and destroyed all the crops. What actually happened was that the sun was darkened for the day. What actually, all these things, plagues actually happened. So could you imagine how that was exaggerated? That needs no exaggeration. And then on top of that, he's, this God splits open the Red Sea. Could you imagine you want to get to Europe from Boston and you step into the Boston Harbor. You're on, I, I don't know, the, 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 no, uh, City Point or Cape Cod and you step in the water and all of a sudden it doesn't just split open and you, you hear, they crossed the, they didn't even cross, I can run around the shirt. they didn't even cross over on mud. God, I can preach, God split the sea open, and then the wind, wind of the Holy Spirit dried the land out, so they walked through. And then God tempts the enemy. Please, yeah, come, please chase him, chase him. Because, the, my good, I can stop right here. The reason why I'm letting the devil chase you is because I am going to so destroy what he's been doing to you that you'll re never remember this moment again in your life other than to give me praise. So this, this woman hears about this God and, and all of a sudden she's like, man, I wonder what if this God could get me out of this situation. And while she is crying in her heart, she may not know how to call him Jehovah. She may not know all the fancy words, Jehovah Chira and, and Jehovah Nisi. All she knows is Jehovah trouble. And while she is pondering and thinking, and how am I going to get out of this? <laughs> there is a conversation in heaven the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are conversing. What do you mean they're conversing? They're conversing just like they conversed in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, where they, the, they are the Godhead, the three in one, one God, three expressions, and they're saying, let us make man in our own image and to act like us. Let us, make, mm, let us make man into three parts, just like us. There will be body, soul, and spirit, but actually, that's the way they function now, but they really should be functioning spirit, soul, and body. And I imagine 
the Godhead said, let us get Rahab out of there. So Joshua starts planning, and he sends out two spies. And as the spies arrive at Rahab's, Rahab notices these guys are different. And she hides them in the attic of her home as the people, the soldiers are looking for these spies because they know where these guys are from. And as Rahab sends them in another direction, says, no, they're not here. She goes up into the attic and she says, Lord, have mercy. She says, I know, chapter 2, verse 9, I know the Lord has given you this land. She told them, we are all afraid of you, every one of us. Well, how, how did she know? She said, I know the Lord has given How did she know? The reason why she know is because, verse 10, for we have heard how the Lord. The Bible doesn't say faith comes to believers from hearing and hearing from the word of God. No, it just says, as long as you are listening to the word of God, Romans chapter 10, verse 17, no matter who you are, you're going to receive faith. That's how she knew. I heard how the Lord brought you out. Let me tell you something. There are a lot of people who you have been witnessing to, but when they see how the Lord brings you out, then they'll know. How he made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what he did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people were completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts melt, have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things about your God. For here is a prostitute, didn't go to church, wasn't raised in the Jewish synagogues, knows nothing, that haven't didn't hear anything about the Ten Commandments, and yet she says, for I know that your God is supreme. He's above the heavens and, above, and the earth below. Are you with me so far? And so, so, so God's like, we, we, we got to get her. Why? 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 We, we, we may look at it. Why you got to get her, Lord? She's a prostitute. She's, she's a nobody. This is why I have to get her, because... Uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 9 to 11. I'm almost finished here. It says, Paul says, Now, is the blessing only for Jews? Or is it also for uncircumcised Gentiles? Well, we have, we have been saying all along that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith. But how did this happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised? Or was it before he was circumcised? Ah, verse 11, circumcision was a sign that Abraham already had faith 
and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous even before he was circumcised. So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith. They are counted as righteous because of their faith, and so because of her faith, go get Rahab because she's a daughter of Abraham, even if she's not a Jew. Uh, tell somebody, my faith can get me out of any situation. Mm, mm. Oh, my, my. Get my daughter, Rahab, out. Get her out. Ah, get her out. The spies come back to the camp, all because of Rahab. They make a promise to Rahab saying, when the walls come down, you need to make sure. This is deep. This hit me. When the walls come down, you need to make sure that all your family's in there so that when we destroy the city, when, you, when we destroy the city, everybody in your house will be saved. This is deep. We all believe the walls came down. But from all of the research I've done in reference material to the Bible, I could run around this church. Rahab's house was built in the wall. Every part of the wall came down except for Rahab's. God is a bad God. Could you imagine? The spies come home. Kids are overjoyed, hugging their dad. Because I imagine the spies, this was a dangerous mission. I imagine the spies, when they were leaving for their 40-day recognizance, they, I imagine hugging their wives, because Joshua's not sending just anybody out. He's sending his top men. I imagine these are some of the most respected leaders out of 1.5 million people. Because when Joshua is sending out two people, he's thinking about him and Caleb. These, these are, these, 
Caleb's name literally means dog. So he's, he's sending out the big dogs. And I imagine the wife is crying and weeping. You know, oh God, please, please bring my husband back safely. Honey, this may be the last time you may see me. I don't know. I'm trusting that Jehovah will keep us. He, he, they're kissing their, their children, you know, their daughters. They're, they're, they're hugging uh, friends. And they said, you know, we're, we're doing this by faith. We're trusting that the Lord will protect us. They're taking all this information, 40 days of information. They bring it back to Joshua. They tell, them, they, they tell him the report that's going out throughout the city that they heard from Rahab and they heard while they were in the attic hiding and, and the banter. They bring back all that information. In the meantime, God says, let's get Rahab out. And he sends, many people call this uh, 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 one of the scenes in, in, in Joshua chapter 5, it is one of the scenes where Jesus himself actually comes down in person in the form of an angel, but in person, and, and, and he meets Joshua, and Joshua draws his sword, and, well, he sees the sword drawn, and Joshua, you know, he's holding his blade. He's like, whose side are you on? And he says, neither. And Joshua's like, oops. And the Bible says he took off his shoes like his spiritual mentor, Moses, because he knew the ground he was standing on was holy ground. See, if it was a regular angel, he wouldn't have worshipped. This was Jesus. And, and so now Jesus says to Joshua, I want you to march around the wall once a day, six days straight, on the seventh day, March around seven times, 13 times, and the wall comes down. I imagine as he now gets back to his top generals and, and captains, and he explains to them the plan. And these guys are smart guys. And I can imagine the two spies said, Whoa! You're, you're telling us to march around seven times and, and the wall's going to come down? Yeah. The, you mean we risked our lives for a plan that didn't even need the information we brought back? We were almost killed, man. You didn't, you didn't need information just to march around a wall? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, guys, but this is what the Lord told me. I know it doesn't make sense. I certainly wouldn't have sent you out in a dangerous situation knowing that the only information that we, that's even useful that you brought out of Jericho was to save a prostitute. I can imagine Joshua going to prayer. Father, I, I don't understand. I mean, thank you. I, re I really thank you for bringing the spies 
these, these men back. I, I, I thank you for your protection. Thank you, Lord. But why did you cause me to risk their lives for a prostitute? And I can hear the Lord saying, well, Joshua, if I told you to send out your best men to rescue a prostitute, you probably would have waited six months for a confirmation because you would have said, you're crazy. This doesn't make sense. And that's why I don't need you to understand. That's why, that's why this, mm, I'm preaching some of you. That's why God can't tell you some things because if he told you, you still wouldn't believe it. Is there not scripture where he says, I'm going to tell you something that if I told you, you wouldn't believe it? In fact, he said it to Habakkuk. Oh, Habakkuk, you want your prayer answered? Look, I'm going to give you the answer to prayer, and even when I tell you the answer, read it for yourself, Habakkuk chapter 1, you're still not going to believe me. That's why Habakkuk says, I need to go up into the prayer tower and, 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 and see about this thing. There are some things that God can't tell you because you can't handle the truth. It's best that you don't know. So God rescues Rahab because he hears the cry of the oppressed. You can see that many times in Scripture where God hears the cry of the oppressed. You hear that in, in uh, Matthew chapter 15, verse 23, where there's this Canaanite woman who cries to Jesus, Jesus, heal my daughter. There are other scriptures where God hears the cry of the oppressed. You say, okay, Bishop, so what, what, what this, what, what's the point of all this? What's the point of all this? There are some people that God is going to have us to get Rahab's outside of PT. People who, who, people who have been praying to God to rescue them, and we are going to be the people who will go get them. We will be literally the answer to their prayers. There are some people that you're going to come to and say, do you want, yes, I want Jesus. Wait, wait, I didn't, I didn't finish with my witness. I, I, didn't, I didn't finish with the road to, to Romans. What, I, wait. Because they're, they're so ready because they see you as an answer to prayer to get them out of their situation to the Lord. Let me give you an example and then I'll close. Oh, I'll be finished. I was in a job. Uh, I worked uh, 14 years in my job. And for probably the lot, and there was a couple of times I was going to quit. But the Lord kept me there. And then for about three to five years, let me put it this way. When I got hired at my job, I told, I told my um, supervisor, to, can you imagine this? Can you imagine going to a job and saying, uh, I'm not going to be here long because after about three, two, three years tops, I'm going to be out of this job and going into the ministry. So I just want to be honest with you. That's what I said. Fourteen years later, <laughs> I was in ministry. But here's the point I'm making. 
for about the last three years of that 14 years, I hated my job. I hated my job. It was boring. I hated my job. I felt stuck. I was like, God, why do you have me here? Are you hearing me? Why, why do you have me here, Lord? The next to last day of my job, the, the next to last day, a woman who I've been working with for about five to eight years walks into my office, and many of you know, some of you know her, Loretta St. Louis. She comes into my office, and she just starts telling me some of the horrific things that have happened in her life and how she has lost faith in God. I, th I think somehow she heard that I was going to become a pastor, and so she poured out her heart. Two months later, September of my first year pastoring, she walks into the church during the song, I went to the enemy's camp and took back what he stole from me. She got saved. She started the Stevens ministry in this church. She became a deacon. She's now an associate minister at Union Baptist Church. But here's the point I'm making, Lord have mercy. Here's the point I'm making. Loretta got saved, and then she told her son, JP, about Jesus. JP got saved. Then JP transferred from UMass to Tufts University, where JP meets a young man by the name of Oheni Asare. He drags Oheni to church, to PT. Oheni goes to PT while he's at Tufts, but then he um, gets married, goes someplace else, which is fine. About 10 years later, a wife and three kids at that time he comes back to PT, not sure if he should stay here, but his, his two oldest children say, we want PT, we want PT. And now uh, Henny is such, and his wife, Regine, are such blessings to this church. And now the Lord asked me, was it worth being stuck in that job Was it worth it? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. See, while you are trying to pray yourself out of something, God is keeping you there because he sees blessings down the road. The Rahab you help now could be a blessing down the road. Come on, let's just praise the Lord right there. Let's just praise the Lord for the Rahabs, you have no idea. Oh, bless the name of the Lord. Bless, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the Rahabs that you're telling us to go get. We don't understand it. We don't understand why we're ministering to this person. We don't understand why you're taking us out of the way to, to go through so much to get to that person. But, Lord, the heart of God is for the Rahabs who are crying out for us to get them. And many of the Rahabs are not out there. They're in PT. So before you look up, let's do the street ministry. Let's do, how about rescuing a Rahab in PT? 
reaching out beyond your comfort zone. Next, this, this coming Friday and Saturday, you know we're going to be doing the food pantry pop-up. And we need volunteers. This, is, this Thanksgiving is probably going to be the, the toughest Thanksgiving of this millennial, of this century. People have lost jobs. And I believe that as we're praying midnight prayer, morning prayer, social justice prayer, I believe God is using us with this pop-up food pantry to help us to get Rahab. They think, this is a good word right here, Toby. They think they're coming for food. But could it be, could it be that while they're coming for food, God is simply saying, I use this <laughs> so that I could get you into my kingdom. And so there are some people who are just going to need you. Go to the website. We need volunteers to reach out to Rahab's. And if you're a Rahab in Pentecostal Tabernacle, Alanitas is a good word right here. Don't allow the toga of shame. I don't want people to know my situation. Look, the Bible says rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep. Please, please, please. If you're hurting and you're a Rahab inside of this church and you cry, God, I need, I need, I need food. I need, I need stuff. And you're in this church? Please, I beg you, don't allow the devil to put the toga of shame on you. You're as much as a child of God our son and daughter of Abraham, as Bishop Brian Green. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Go get Rahab. Go get Rahab in your families, in the church, when you go out to eat. Wherever you are, there are Rahabs that are waiting for the good news. What's the good news? you can get out of this. There is a God who can get you out of this. What's this? Fill in the blank, whatever it is. He can do it. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, Father, we pray that if you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says in Romans, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Ask Jesus to come into your heart. Simple prayer, Jesus, come into my heart. I'm a sinner. 
All this means is that I don't know you as Savior. I don't know. I just don't know you. I've heard of you. I've, but I don't know you. But I'm asking you to come in my heart and make me a child of God. Just that simple prayer, and he will do that. He'll come in. He'll come in. And if you prayed that prayer, then simply go to our, uh, respond to the address on the screen, and someone will make sure that you come to Christ and receive more information. I want you to now, uh, I, want, I want to give you a closing blessing. Thank you so much for being with us. I want you to open your hands. In this church, we don't give a closing prayer, we give a closing blessing. But I'm going to give, a, I, I'm going to give you a different blessing for this season. I bless you this week because I'm declaring that this is a good week, a God week. For this is the week that the Lord has made, and you will rejoice and be glad in it. You are blessed and favored because you trust in the Lord. You are healed because by his stripes and wounds you are already healed. You are more than a conqueror through Jesus who loved you. For greater is he that is in you than Satan who opposes you. You have victory over sin because you are dead with Christ. You have victory over death because you are raised with Christ. You can do all things through Christ who gives you his strength this week. You have no need this week, for Christ has supplied them all. You are not intimidated, for God has not given you the spirit of fear, intimidation, worry, and anxiety. God has given you his Holy Spirit of power, ability, love, and soundness of mind. You are not confused. God is not the author of confusion. God is the author and creator of your peace. You have perfect peace because you trust in the Lord. This week, this week, you have the wisdom of God and the mind of Christ to learn and to make the right, correct decisions this week. This week you are all overcomers because of the sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ and the words of your own testimony, your praise reports of God's story that comes out of your mouth. God will use you this week for his honor and glory because you yield yourself to his Holy Spirit. You are God's instrument to do justice. You practice compassion and you walk humbly before your God. This is the week that you will not lose for God has given you and all of us victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And everybody say, I receive that in the name of the Lord. God bless you, and have a fantastic week in him.